Hello, and welcome to Podcast Central from CFA Society North Carolina. I am your host, Pedro Bernal. This is the show where we bring you an unbiased lens on finance and investing through short conversations with some of the country's most interesting and accomplished people. This week, I'm delighted to welcome top-ranked Wall Street analyst Brian Hunt. We talked with Brian about how you can position yourself to become a successful professional on Wall Street, the importance of the research challenge, pursuing the CFA designation, and much more. Brian Hunt is a senior investment manager with Relevance Ventures. He has over 20 years in the financial and investments industry. He grew up in Alabama and Colorado, dreaming of cornering the coffee bean market. Brian graduated with an undergraduate degree from the University of Alabama and an MBA from the Bowen Graduate School at Vanderbilt University. He received his CFA designation in 1999. Brian has been ranked number one eight times in institutional investor annual surveys for his work in high-yield fixed-income investment research. He is consistently sought after by news organizations and investors worldwide for his knowledge in the consumer discretionary and retail sectors. If Brown was not working in the financial sector, he would have been an outdoor guide. Welcome, Brian. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you. I'm excited to be here and uh, you know, tell you a little bit about my, my uh, journey as a CFA. Sounds great. So let's get started. Investors and financial experts on various publications have selected you multiple times as a top analyst. Our listeners would love to find out how you do it year in and year out through multiple decades and investment cycles. Can you please give us your secret recipe to success? Yes, I'll I'll try to uh, make it quick. Um, I would tell you it's continuing education and general curiosity. Um, you know, I always like to reflect and examine my successes as well as my failures uh, and, and refine my analysis process. You always need to find ways to complete work more efficiently. You know, as an analyst, you know, the work never ends. You can work 24-7 uh, and never complete assignments and projects. So it is about, you know, grouping projects, completing projects, and again, refining your process to make it better. You know, if I, I look at, uh, you know, my failures, uh, I had salespeople tell me over my career, um, you know, if you're right all the time or wrong all the time, I can work with that. But if you don't have an opinion, then you're useless. Uh, I would tell you not pulling the trigger fast enough or understanding the magnitude of, of moves in individual securities were the faults I tried to remedy during my career. If you do the work, you should have confidence in your decisions. So, so ultimately, communicating those decisions in a very uh, efficient manner is very important. Um, you know, if you look at things, uh, I wish I knew when I started the business. I started out as an under, right after undergrad uh, in equity research at a regional investment bank, Morgan Keegan in Memphis, Tennessee. Uh, I would tell you, I wish I would have known more about um, the balance sheet maturities and debt covenants. And those are things you really didn't study 
uh, in undergrad and things that uh, issues that were I wasn't formally trained on uh, back in the early 90s. Uh, the rules to the balance sheet really come into play during periods of duress. And, and that's when, you know, you have an opportunity as an analyst to really show your colors and differentiate yourself. Uh, you know, if you look at the importance of mentors also during my career, uh, I, I would include, I had several mentors. I would include John Baugh, who's currently at Stiefel. Uh, he was one of my mentors when I first uh, moved into the investment banking side and equity research at We First Butcher Singer in Richmond, Virginia. He was an excellent coach. I believe uh, you should always seek out mentors to help you develop specific skills which you view, view as important, you know, to your analyst career, uh, because the learning never ends. Um, you know, if you look at skills that you may be born with or learned, I believe you're born with behaviors such as curiosity and drive, but you learn skills such as public speaking, presentations, and writing skills especially how to write and develop an investment thesis. Those are great points you highlighted, Brian. One of the things that we've heard consistently from investors, as well as people that run publications, is that Brian makes me think about his non-consensus views. How do you deliver non-consensus views with, without being confrontational? You know, confrontation uh, can come in both forms with, a, a, you know, one, the management team that you may be writing about their company and or two, uh, you know, the buy side um, and, and their view upon owning a security and or being short the security. Um, I, would, I would tell you the art of valuation uh, is a way that you can go about having a non-consensus view uh, in a very soft manner. Um, in, in the end, you know, two different analysts can have the same facts and come up with very different opinions. Um, so uh, again, art, the art of valuation and the various methods of valuation is, is definitely a, an easy way to soft pedal um, a non-consensus view. Now, if an analyst comes up with a, a very individual uh, or a very unique fact, um, you know, that, that leads them down the path of a very non-consensus outcome in terms of valuation, and, and that is, is easy to put in print. Um, but again, valuation, I always found it was an easy way to soft pedal non-consensus views. How do, how do you avoid the pitfalls associated with either the peaks and valleys of uh, an investment cycle relative to valuation. As we see, the, there are a lot of things that become sort of in vogue uh, with valuations at its peaks. How do you avoid the, all those pitfalls? Well, I mean, one way, to, one way to slice and dice that is standard deviation analysis and mean reversion. Uh, when you think about peaks and valleys on, on valuation, um, you know, mean reversion ultimately plays out and fundamentals play out. So it, it may take time to achieve that mean reversion. It may take time for the fundamentals to be reflected um, in, a, in a company's evaluation or their security evaluation. 
But ultimately, um, those mean reversions play out. Companies can stay, uh, you know, whether it's equities or fixed income, their securities can stay overvalued and undervalued for for long durations. Um, you know, whether it's technically driven or some other factor that that leads to those long timeframes of over or undervaluation. But ultimately, fundamentals play out in the valuations of securities. So let's go to our, our next question, Brian. Um, CFA societies across the world are in the middle of the research challenge, which is a global competition of college students um, to write an investment thesis uh, and to make a recommendation associated with a particular investment. Why do you think it's important for students to learn early on about writing an investment thesis and uh, doing a research report? Yeah, I mean, I would tell you the availability of information has exploded in the 20 plus years since I received my CFA. As well, the way we consume reports and the definition of a report has evolved. Um, the report now is, is in the eye of the reader more than ever. The framework of a report, in my opinion, will continue to evolve. If you, you know, look at how how I structured reports over the years and, and over the decades, um, the report basis will continue to be applicable to regulatory frameworks, but ultimately the author needs to firmly grasp the message they're trying to convey. You know, what's, what's neat about the CFA program and important about it is the CFA program provides a basis for structure and discipline of the legal framework to understand a meeting or report, but ultimately, as I said, you know, the, the report is in the eye of the reader. And I would tell you, you know, when I started my career, reports were tombs. They were massive. Now reports can be one pagers. Um, you know, we're consuming today with evolution of technology uh, and the ability to, you know, swipe left and swipe right. I ultimately believe we will be swiping left and swiping right on reports to gather the information that we want. Uh, also, I, I think it's very important to understand behavioral science um, for short-term recommendations. You know, if you look at behavioral science, um, it's a key to understanding very short-term price movements and the science of trading as opposed to the science of long-term investing. Technical price movements and psychology surrounding issues such as FOMO or the fear of missing out really can be a driver in helping an analyst understand short-term price movements. Like I said earlier, I, I would tell you my, my research focused on fundamentals and I, I think most research does. Over time, my reports have evolved into much smaller tighter and more concise packages. Uh, so much general company information and management information is, on, is online. There's really no need to put that information or there's less of a need to, to put that information in a report today as there was 20 years ago. Those are great points, Brian. What will we be talking about 10 years from now about today's research? Yeah, I think you will see you know, down the road, research reports will evolve to much more dynamic uh, formats. I think you'll see stagnant verbiage removed. 
and the traditional stagnant models evolve, I think reporters will be much more interactive and allow the readers to go down various scenarios, uh, which will include uh, scenarios for P&Ls and cash flows, as well as valuation. Um, I, I think that dynamic feature is, is somewhat available in research today, um, but I think it will be much, much more prevalent you know, 10 years from today. Oh, thank you so much for those insights. I can't resist this topic of having a top forecaster makes me want to ask, what do you see as the biggest positive and negative for investments in the future, given everything that is happening today? Yeah, I would tell you, and, and there's plenty of topics in, to, in, in today's environment and, and information on a various broadcast uh, uh, that is creating volatility in, in, in specific securities. Um, but I would tell you the biggest negative may stem from the polarization and the sensationalism created by day traders, websites, and blogs. You know, these vehicles of populism can heavily distort fundamental valuation work and potentially harm the least financially educated investor. While it is a potential pitfall, it presents opportunities for fundamental analysts to potentially you know, buy the dips and sell into strength and allow their long-term valuation thesis and reversions to mean to play out. Those are great points, Brian. I always like to finish on a positive note. What brings you hope? Yeah, um, you know, if, if you look at the, United, the U.S. financial system, while it's not always been a, a straight path, the United States financial system has been an amazing venue for investors to create and store value in savings and grow wealth for over 100 years. You know, if you pick any 10-year period in the history of the S&P 500, over the last 100 years, investors have made money. Our financial markets are constantly evolving and usually provide one of the safest venues for educated long-term investors to grow a stable of wealth for retirement, as well as potentially and drastically change their terminal value or, or their level of wealth. Um, there's an amazing unfound opportunity in the market right now for investors to generate significant wealth creation and outsize you know, returns with the proper diligence and knowledge. There is always opportunity in this market. And, and that's what gives me hope. Thank you so much for all your time, Brian, and for your insights. We certainly appreciate it at CFA Society North Carolina. Well, thank you, Pedro, and uh, I would I would love to come back to do this again. Absolutely, thank you. Thank you for joining us. If you enjoyed today's episode, please rate us on your favorite service provider. We love hearing your thoughts, and it will help others find us. Also, a reminder. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. This material may contain an assessment of the market and economic environment at a specific point in time and is not intended to be a forecast of future events or a guarantee of future results. Forward-looking statements are subject to certain risks and uncertainties. Actual results, performance, or achievements may differ materially from those expressed or implied. 
This is for general information only and is not intended to provide specific investment advice or recommendations for any individual. This material should not be considered a recommendation to buy or sell securities or a guarantee of future results. The opinion expressed is based on information from sources believed to be correct, but no guarantee can be made to their accuracy. The information contained in this report is not written or intended as financial, tax, or legal advice. You are encouraged to seek financial, tax, and legal advice from your professional advisors.